spoiled comforter and some books I never read. I'm gonna climb that corporate ladder, cause I don't need a man. Bunny hunt's coming over, she has too much time on her hands. We'll light a hundred candles, wait for a guy to call. Hey, can I offer you a snack? There's some paint chips on the wall. It's the 90s. I can afford this giant home, an assistant salary. Step on the balcony, show off my pixie haircut, cause I live in the 90s. Today on the podcast, we are talking about the 2005 romantic comedy Fever Pitch, starring Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon. And honestly, it's a pretty adorable rom-com about a guy who is obsessed with the Red Sox, and he dates a woman who isn't, and chaos ensues. And you know what, guys? They have to compromise. And that's what true love is, isn't it? Now, I know this movie technically was not made in the 90s, but I feel like it meets a lot of credentials because Jimmy Fallon, first of all, he drives a bug, like an old bug from the 60s, a Volkswagen bug. And he doesn't have a phone. So I'm like, okay, he's still like kind of in the 90s. Um, And Drew Barrymore. It's like Drew Barrymore is the 90s. So that's all we need. That's really all we need. Also, I feel like the fact that Jimmy Fallon's parents, we don't know if his parents are dead, but they they seem dead, which is very much another credential. So it kind of like, it tracks. So when you do the math, it's technically 1993. Anyway, I'm talking with potentially the world's biggest fan of this movie, Taylor Orsi. They are an incredibly talented writer and performer. They wrote for the Emmy-nominated show, Kipo and also the star show Vita. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Taylor. They are honestly one of the most inventive and creative people I've ever met. And I had so much fun talking with them. Um, well, welcome to Female Apartments from 90s Movies. We're oh my not. God, thank you. <laughs> thank you it's, so much it's for being so here. so big in here. <laughs> um, this movie is from 2005, I think, but I feel like it's technically still, it makes the cut. Like, Jimmy Fallon doesn't have parents and he's also driving a bug. So I feel like that's. Yeah, I think there's. I mean, the kids have cell phones. I think that's the that's True. the new thing. True. But it still has, um, you know, you're supposed to be an adult by the time you're 30 type of thing. That, <laughs> totally. that happened a lot in the 90s. Like, I think in the 90s, you could tell someone was 30 because they just started wearing a blazer. Oh, 100%. There are so many blazers in this movie. That's how you know that it's time to settle down. Yes, people are wearing blazers. They're going to the gym. Their apartments are big. Mm-hmm. Very big. Trying to get a promotion. It feels very, it meets all the credit. There's criteria. And yeah. I think it meets a lot. I think especially since his parents are like nowhere to be found too. That feels like a very like character mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah. And also I think just where Drew Barrymore was in her career, I think is, is a nineties moment, which was kind of like this tension as a serious actor. And this was sort of like part of the rom-com, but th- like the serious actor had turned into like, now it was rom-com 
but this was sort of like an adult rom-com as opposed to an Adam Sandler rom-com. You right. Know, like it was, was to hit a little bit deeper. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a graduation from Adam Sandler a little bit. Yeah, Jimmy Fallon was a graduation from Adam Sandler. And yeah, that, yeah. That's how I felt on the inside. I totally agree with that. Well, today... <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about the film Fever Pitch with writer and performer Taylor Orsi. They are a writer for the Emmy-nominated show Kipo. They also perform as Drag King Trey with Them Fatale Drag Kings in LA. Whee! Uh, Kipo is so cool, by the way. Thank it's you! So cool. Um, also, you are a super, super secret fan of Fever Pitch. I don't know if it's a secret <laughs> or not. I I think it, it's probably not. I think okay. I talk about this movie so much. I love it. Um, I think it has just stayed with me as my tastes have changed and as I have grown throughout time. It just it it just um, what's it called? It ageless. It yeah. It ages well. I agree with that. It does age well. It's very yeah. like nostalgic. There's something like already kind of nostalgic about it. But you know, you go back and you watch Elf or something and you're like, oh, wow. Zoe Deschanel is like very young for Will Ferrell. You yeah. Know, like, things that are like, uh-oh, there are no black elves at the North Pole. Like there's, <laughs> you know, just certain movies I can watch again. And I'm like, I don't like it that much. Yeah. Either. It's bothering me. And this one, I mean, it's all, it is all white people, but uh there just should be, have been black there's yes. an elf more brown elves at the fucking north okay. 100 yes absolutely uh but the this one it's almost like a gender reversal it's just a, i feel like i know is a feminist subversive gender queer film <gasps> it, it holds up it is so romantic um and all of the plot holes are just terrible. Like the stuff that sucks, sucked before. And the stuff that's good, it just stays. I I was thinking that same thing about how it's like a gender reversal. Because I was like, okay, wait a second. Is she the leading lady or is he the leading lady? And they kind of both are. They kind of like, he's really the like quote unquote rom-com leading lady. I yeah, I didn't realize that there are some moments where like, you know, when Jimmy Fallon says goodbye, I, when, when, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, when Jimmy Fallon says goodbye to Drew Barrymore in the hallway where he uh, gives her flowers, you know, he, he, he says like, oh, it's okay. And we'll get back together and we'll get married. Like that's a, that is a tender thing to say and I find that like joke so endearing and then the scene ends with him like bursting into tears yeah and and leaving and I think that you know to to have that as a choice was really uh cool I think and that and that it was always in the times of crisis it's Lindsay's Meeks it's Drew Barrymore's character that is being reserved and ha and has a cool head about things. Yes, and she's always trying to problem solve. Yeah, and then like, you know, when she's having, she's in competition with 
her best friend and she punches her in the like her friend punches her in the face or no punches Ioni Sky. Yes, Ioni Sky. Yeah. yeah and Ioni wants to punch Drew Barrymore. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And it's just so I, I don't know, like the, the 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 plot points are gender reversed. Yeah. In terms of the way that they express themselves. And I think that that's super cool. It also for myself growing up, you know, I, I get very upset. It well, it irks me that sometimes there's a certain branch of feminism that allows for women to be what women identified people to like be whatever they want. But then um, men still have to be tall and stoic yeah. and be the, be the top earner. And, you know, I, it is, I'm not blaming anybody, but that those are the messages that I got growing up. And, but I didn't like them for a number of reasons. Uh, it feels like that is also the patriarchy, you know, that is, that's, that's something that we also have to let go of. And this film is in league with that is like, here is this woman is a, is jockeying for this top position at the age of 30 because they know math stuff. I know. What does she do? I don't know what, I don't know exactly what she does, but she's works in math. She tries to make private jets more affordable for people. <laughs> she works Which is very important work. Yeah. Important. I love, like, there is just, like, this adorable thing that, like, you can tell, like, the fact that this math genius is being played by Drew Barrymore is so wonderful because for it, it showed me growing up that you could be a master of what you wanted to be but still be you know still you know fuck somebody all night long and fall asleep with a can of diet coke in your shoe off you know like yeah yeah I liked the fact that this was one of the only characters at the time that could be a woman in charge and affable yeah I feel like because a lot of like in re-watching a lot of rom-coms they all were kind of like an assistant or something like that. And they were trying like, to get- I don't know what I want. And I she does exactly what she yeah. wants. And she doesn't give up anything at the end, yeah. except she understands by understanding, like by, by knowing that her job, she's a workaholic just and, and escapes into her work the same, because it's controlled for the same reasons that the person she loves escapes into baseball and- she has, she, she has an epiphany, but she doesn't give anything up. She just leaves her own party. She's already won. You know, she doesn't give anything up, but she, she does that. Oh, the hero moment where she runs across the field. Oh my God. I know. Is literally like, I'm, I tried to have a version of that in a film I recently wrote and where there's, you know, these taking these tropes and playing with them the hero and the you know runs across the blankety blank to get the girl and it's drew barrymore takes her heels off and still has her purse and runs across fenway park to to you know tell the love of his life that he shouldn't like love shouldn't make you unhappy 
And she's saying that they can have love and happiness, which is kind of counter to heteronormative relationships in a way, you know, it's like, you can still have this playful thing and I can still have my job and we can meet each other where we're at and grow together because we love each other. Yeah. Cause she kept saying that throughout, throughout the thing, throughout the story, like when he tells her, you know, I have something to tell you. And she's like, oh my God, what is he going to tell me? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm a huge Red Sox fan. Um, and she's not like, uh huh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just thinking, like, he's not, <laughs> I know that I, I'm, because I'm talk, talking to myself right now, like, oh, well, what's so revolutionary about a man that gets to stay a boy? And it's like, that's not how the movie plays it, though. The yeah. movie plays it as, like literally Jimmy Fallon's character says like the Red Sox don't get divorced. Like his family is this team and he's afraid if he leaves the team, then he's going to be alone and not have any love. So he feels like he has to trade romantic love for familial love. Yeah. And as a, but but as a partner, he's pretty cool. You know, he's, he's uh game to these weird you know birthday parties he has to go to he he helps with the parents he helps the parents get a tea time at the country club so that was a very sweet move like where he just surprises her yeah yeah with the parents and like, like it was a big deal for her because i mean i know the pressure of parents having super high standards for you and you're, you know, you're sort of dating the wrong people in their mind. And so if a person can come out of that and still be themselves, it's really awesome. And I'm thinking like what other ways he shows up for Lindsay. He takes her, he take he, he helps her relax. He makes her laugh. Well, when he when he first gets there, when he asks her out and he comes to her apartment, she's throwing up. She's like has food poisoning or something. Yeah, it's a little predatory because it's like maybe you shouldn't be. I know, and like puts on her pajamas. But, yeah. yeah, but I get it that like he's being the caretaker, and that again is like this sort of role reversal that you don't normally see. Like he's a teacher. He's taking the first scene we have him with. He's literally taking care of children. Yeah, that's true. They're like in his car. And, and and that's, yeah. And that's one thing that I remember on Kipo that Bill, my boss, uh, said one time is like, we made it a choice that Benson has a baby because we wanted to make sure that we had that imagery of this is a, this is a, a young man who is perfectly comfortable t- with the caretaker role of holding a baby and taking care of a baby and making sure the baby's needs are met. So that's like, cool. Yeah. He's a very good, he's like a dad to these kids at school. Yeah. And knows what it's like. Yeah. And I feel like the Red Sox, we don't really know what happened to his family because his parents, like it starts in his, he goes to the Red Sox game with his uncle because he just moved to Boston, but we never see his parents after that. And I literally, I just assume that they died. Like I just, in my head, the whole, I've always remembered this movie that his parents are dead and I don't know if they are, but wow. yeah, I'm it like, it feels like that. 
Uncle Carl killed his parents. We didn't talk about <laughs> Uncle it. Uncle Carl murdered his parents. And actually, yeah. Fenway. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Fallon has a Stockholm Syndrome relationship. Yes. It's really fucked up. People don't know that about, they don't know that like C story. Yeah. C, you know, yeah. The alternate ending to Fever Pitch is um, Jimmy Fallon takes a gun to Fenway. <laughs> Oh God! It says this is for you, Uncle Carl. But then he accidentally shoots the love of his life because he, through Barrymore, is running across the field and he doesn't see her. And then it's a, it becomes more of like a Russian novella at that. Yeah, point. becomes really emotionally charged. Yeah, people don't know they shot it, but they were like, you know what? Let's just do. Let's just a piece. But we're, we are the Farley brothers. Let's yeah. just do the comedy. Yeah, well, the that I think it was the reason why is because that was the year that the Red Sox won the World Series, and like well, right. this never happens, and then they have to change the end. right. So then they had to change the whole like Russian <laughs> plot, plot murder, murder yeah. love, murder suicide love story. Right? They were like, well, they won. We didn't see that coming. Yep. Oh my god! And you know what? It works. It works. Either one would have worked. It holds up. And I think that now is the time to release that alternate. I agree. Let's get an extended cut. An extended Farley Brothers, if you're listening, we would love to see the Russian. um, They were, you know. Yeah, the Anna Karenina version of this ending that you all know and love, but the public doesn't. And, you know, because the Justice League guy did it, right? Wait, what is that? The, what? Right? There's another ending to... Now everybody's yelling at me again. Eh, blah, blah, fuck you. <laughs> Snyder. Thank you, Zack Snyder. The Snyder Cut uh, got released, and people say that the Snyder Cut of the Justice League is better than the regular one. So, oh. for release, fucking get on it, please, sir. Yeah, please. Honestly, you guys, you know... So we've all seen your comedies. Let's see. Let's see the dark Russian drama. Yeah. <laughs> I also feel it's very funny to me that every scene she's with her friends. I love the like friends because I love Ioni Sky. I'm like, ugh, she's just the coolest. Oh my god, yes. Um, oh. and I'm forgetting the actor's name with the long black hair. I know. I can't remember um, either. I always think it's Kathy Nijimi and it's not Sarah. I always think it's Nikki Dabransky. Is that her name? Nikki? Dabransky? Dabransky. But it's not her either. <laughs> it's neither of those. Uh, it's. She's so funny. Uh, yeah, it's uh, she says, I'm just going to get her name right quick because she says one of my favorite lines in. Oh, I wonder if it's film history ever no don't don't hold it on might be my I, favorite uh, line too i have a favorite line for oh yeah and then another way that it's homoerotic is that fucking uh jimmy fallon makes the uh makes his friend sexy dance uh for the tickets and then also when he's having his crazy nervous breakdown his anesthesiologist friend who plays a uh, sexual assaulter in uh, the, the Marissa Tomei um, movie Untamed Heart. That anesthesiologist plays. Oh my god! Uh, the 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 sexual assaulter. So he kind of like has that in 
his like you know in this universe that character possibly exists as an anesthesiologist and then oh, is shaving his friend's ball at a vulnerable time i think that that holds up for me is it marissa jarrett winker first of all I think that's his name. Heart. untamed heart is such a good movie thank and you i love untamed heart as well oh. yeah she says she says you guys uh you guys are rich and then the rich <gasps> girl's like yeah and she goes why don't you dress, dress better, better. i know is one of my favorite lines in the whole fucking world just like the salty reveal of the of the otherwise super friendly right best friend is just the best that one salty line I wrote down this, I wrote down that line. I'm like, this is so funny. It's delivered so well. It's, it's a great line and it's just delivered so perfectly. Um, and it's just like from her to the, cause the, the one, the blonde friend is just, is sort of like, she thinks she's sort of the cream of the crop. You know what I mean? I think that this, like, I like to imagine that this fever pitch takes place in, in uh, another alternate universe where Ione Sky's character in Say Anything um, fucks up because Lloyd just fucked up her life in college. Oh, right. Um, that wasn't going to go well. And I, and I like, I know somebody close to me that had a boyfriend like that that didn't have any direction and just started to kind of follow them wherever they went. And it like, that, that held her back, you know? Oh. Um, and so I'm thinking in the Fever Pitch universe, Ione Skye's character um, basically becomes a dead, not a deadbeat, what's it called? Like a burnout. A there drifter? Is that like a, becomes like a burnout and comes back home <gasps> Boston. I don't know whether, actually, I don't know if Say Anything takes place in Boston, but it might as well. It's like kind of an East Coast looking place, I think. So uh, yeah, Ione Sky's character goes back to their hometown in a boss in a Massachusetts suburb and uh, just basically becomes into this friend group. And, but like, so everybody kind of in this friend group feels like they're the main character, including the, you know, the traditional sidekick character but at the end says like, why don't you dress better? Which sort of gives them a status uh, that they didn't have before. It says so much. That one line says so much about what everyone I think feels about that one character and especially mm -hmm. like what she thinks. It is also true. It's like, why don't you dress better? She does not yeah. dress well. Um, I love this. Okay, so Fever Pitch we have character from untamed heart in this who's now an anesthesiologist and we have ione sky's character from say anything who's now mm -hmm. a bit of a burnout at home because lloyd dobler killed her soul in her mm -hmm. future mm -hmm. i love it i love this universe and it makes sense because it's like they're just she just wants to blend in she just wants to like be in the friend group and yeah and the sidekick character yeah she's tired of being a standout she just wants to but then she ends up getting punched in the face so it's funny that way too <laughs> like I know. all she wants to do is not stand out and then she says she can't help but speak her mind and then she gets socked in the face um 
it's that was uh, actually very much in line with Ioni Sky's character from Say Anything. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. It um, I also love how they're always at some sort of workout facility. Like every time yeah. they're hanging out, it's a spin. Literally, it went from a spin class to then a boxing or a climbing gym, mm-hmm. and then later we see them in a boxing gym. It feels a little bit like guys, you know, yeah, work out all the time. Like you can, like I want to see them eat them. They do finally eat a meal near the end. They do eat a meal at the end, but one of them can't drink because uh, oh, that's pregnant. oh yeah. Then Ioni Sky gets to see. Yes. She just wants to, she just wanted to come home from where did they go? Paris, London, whatever. She wanted to get away from Lloyd. Lloyd started acting crazy. She yeah. wanted to come back and she's like, I just need to get married to like a, a banker, you know, yeah. who like just, that's what he does. And I need, and I want to have a kid and I just want to like, you know, lay low. I need to. And she does. She marries like, you know, a weird banker or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that her character secretly exists in this movie. Yeah, I, I, that's, and then, I mean, you have uh, Sarah's character, the why don't you dress better character, and her life is just about to begin. I agree. She is, she should be in a movie all on her own. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know if it should be a sequel or just her own movie. And like, she's going to take over the world. She is going to take mm-hmm. the world by storm. I don't know what she does, but yeah. She surprises everyone by doing it. Yeah, she's kind of like a, I mean, not a Bridget Jones's diary. Yeah. Kind of. I think she's sort of like, I don't know, maybe she has like a Muriel's wedding moment, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that that's where she she sort of, you know, when she says, why don't you dress better? She starts becoming kind of like the shitty friend that everybody tolerates because like they're going through uh, like, you know, a, a, a what's it called? Like a late bloom phase oh right and late bloom crisis late bloomer yeah crisis. and then they sort of bottom out and they find her like drunk in a bathtub at a party and they're like hey we know that you didn't have this time in high school but it's really time you grew up and you know they find her like, at a frat party and, like steals all their money but they forgive her anyway because she's so lovable i don't know something i also could see her like moving to new york being like i'm too good for you guys I'm getting on a bus and I'm getting out of town. Whoa. And that all their lives just go to shit. And she's the one that becomes like a secretary of state. <laughs> yeah. Because the one that's like, but, yeah. But then when she comes back home, everybody just treats her like shit still. But so she never actually mentions she's secretary. Maybe she's secretary of state now. And she just yeah, never we don't know. talks she about it. Be. I mean, she is in Boston. Like she could yeah. be doing something very political there. She could be in yeah. the Senate. We don't know. And she does, you know, she she is kind of like a, a broke, she brokers the peace between them. Maybe she's already some kind of like diplomat for the Israeli peace accords or something. She could be. She could just, be. That's why, that's why they, I mean, I get it. That's why they always have to only hang out when they're working out because it's a very structured time that they can all commit to. Like right. Sarah's character isn't going to, you know, take the bus in from DC for nothing. You know, it's going to be this boxing class every Tuesday. I get it. Right. She's commuting. She, her character's actually commuting from DC to hang out with them. Mm-hmm. They're her like yeah. college friend group. Yeah. We never see at her house. Yeah. No, we never see the bus. That's also, I think in the lost footage, like her taking the bus to and fro DC. 
Oh yeah, she does. She does that to keep herself humble. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she just never really accepted how fabulous she is. And like, they don't want to acknowledge it because, like, you know, then they'd have to acknowledge how boring their lives are and that they don't have like an exciting life. Yeah, but I think that it takes a while because, you know, Sarah's character still doesn't have, isn't like rich, and right. um, so, like their husband's kind of shitty. And I think she envies that uh, Drew Barrymore's character is like basically rich and has like a playboy, a playboy uh, husband, you know, just like a good dad. He's, he would be such a good dad. Like, I feel like if if they existed in life, she would be like president of that company the math company she'd be the president of math mm-hmm. and then jimmy fallon they'd have a few kids and jimmy fallon would be like mr mom he'd be like yep. taking care of the kids and she'd be and they would be so happy and then they would go go to games together and like it is funny that like well she says to him this is great this is perfect you the game you have the distraction of the games and I can focus on my work but then she goes to all the games <laughs> and I do get a little confused by that because I was like wait a second I thought you were going to focus on your work she does bring her laptop to the games yeah I think she's trying to yeah that strategy is confusing it like is. they could have said that there's so much chunky dialogue in this movie that there is it's really like what the fuck did you just say like Oh, they use the word tip a lot. Like a tip worth saying says, and you're like, what? They it, use the word tip a lot. Yeah, they use the word tip. It's sort of, because I the, the writers, one of the guys, there are like five writers on this movie, which is so funny to me. Um, But like one of them's name is Babalu Mandel. And I'm just like, yes, Babalu, give me like your fucking... And you know, he's just some white guy named Babalu because like he, right. he, he has one curly hair or something. And someone called and, him Babalu and he was like, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep that. Um, and uh, what do you call it? He, I just like the idea that like the same person that wrote, you know, uh, scenes in for Joan Crawford is also writing Fever Pitch. She just kind of has one of those old Hollywood names that are like- I know. Let's bring Bob kind a little of, bit. Kind of like, yeah, organ- it's, it's, it's organized crime or a Hollywood screen writer. Like, you know, those names that kind of sound like they could go either way. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, Babalu. Babalu's the guy you bring in if, you know, you need to kill someone or you need someone to write a few- like lines that sound like they're from the 90s yeah. in your script. Punch-ups. <laughs> Punch-ups. Punch-ups. Like he, wrote, he wrote A League of Their Own and he wrote Splash, you know? Oh. And also Where the Heart Is. Yeah, he he like wrote all these cool movies and then wrote, uh, oh, I guess he was born in 1949. So he's not that old. I mean, you know, he's not dead yet. But it is funny. Like a lot of times these movies I will look up and the writers are almost always men. And they oh, yeah. are usually from, sometimes the script itself was written in the 40s. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, wow. But this was not, I mean, this was actually, you know what's funny? This was based off of a book. Yeah. 
And then it was also in Canada. They released it as the perfect catch, which I found really adorable. Um, Very Canadian. It feels very sweet and Canadian. It's a sweet love story they have. Oh, I also love when after she throws up and he cleans it up and then they go to brunch or something. At some point they have a date and she's on her phone. You know how they show her, she's like, oh, always on the phone. I can't get off the phone. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't have a phone. Mm-hmm. I love that that actually pays off. That that actually. Yeah. It, it's it like, why off. don't you have a phone, you idiot? And this was in such a rare time in history where between people who had cell phones and it was okay right. to not have a cell phone. You could not have a cell phone, yeah. You could not have a cell phone and people sometimes had big opinions on it at the time. It, and it's like, that. that will never happen again. I know. I also was very like taken aback when Stephen King threw out a pitch. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Stephen King's in this, which is so fun because like, he, I, I've read, you know, his book on, uh, on writing, you know, he has like this memoir about yeah. writing and, oh yeah, it's just literally called on writing and I'm looking at it right now and it, you know, so it's like this master of like the written word and he's just in fever pitch. I think it reminds me similarly of when Larry David did a weird cameo on Hannah Montana and I was oh like, my God, what? world exists together. Wait a second. What? Yeah. Larry David was on Hannah Montana. I can't even. I feel like I'm blue. The whole bit is that nobody recognizes him at this restaurant, but everybody recognizes Hannah Montana and his kids are groupies <sighs> of Hannah Montana. So it's just really funny that Larry David is just in the middle of this Disney set looking thoroughly perplexed. I need to know how that happened. Like, I need to know how did Larry, like, how, what made Larry David say, yeah, sure, I'll go on Hannah Montana. I think literally because his kids were fans. I don't know. That's sweet. Maybe not. I don't know. They sure seemed like his kids. Oh, my God. I mean, okay, if that's true, that's very sweet. That is so funny. You know, he's a big Red Sox fan. I actually, I met him once in Boston because he was in a bar and I think my friend of mine was friends with someone who like was with the Red Sox and like they were together and like mm. it's the only time so let's say oh whenever I do think of Red Sox I do think of Larry David I well I lived there during this and I remember it was like the play I'm like trying to think of what the baseball language is like the playoffs or whatever is that what it's called <laughs> is that what it is playoff yeah I don't, I don't know a lot about I whatever baseball. they were playing other it's another reason why I love this movie is because like if it's a good story like the ESPN 30 for 30s documentary series like you don't have to know you can take all of the machinations out like all the sports out and there's still a story there and that's very cool yeah I agree you don't need to know no you don't need to know anything about baseball to watch this movie at all you don't need to be into baseball you don't need to know anything you just need to know that it's a sport Cause you'll find that out, but yeah. Yeah. I remember I like would go to the bar, like we would go to the bars and like watch the games. Cause it was such a big deal in Boston. I mean, it's, it definitely speaks to Boston culture and the red, like Red Sox fans. 
mm-hmm. and how obsessed they are with the Red Sox. Um, but I remember I was secretly rooting for the Yankees mm-hmm. and only because I really liked New York and I had just dated someone who lived in New York and I had a crush on Derek Jeter. So I just was like, yeah, I think I don't know. I had only been in Boston for like a year, so I didn't have like an allegiance mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. But I ended up working on a show after this movie was made that was based on this movie and it was called that's right yeah it was called socks appeal Uh, i know and it was on nesson you can't find it on youtube you know do you need to watch it i don't know you know it's it's something that anyone needs to rewatch but socks what was it called socks Socks appeal socks appeal s-o-x wow you know I my job we would load in equipment during the day which was kind of cool because the whole stadium would be empty and it was like it is a really beautiful stadium it's very pretty or park it's not a stadium it's park whatever it's on Vimeo season one's on Vimeo oh my god so I would have to so it was basically a dating show and there would be you'd have the contestants and then you'd have the one person it would either be each episode would be like a man or a woman up in the like there was like an area up top that was like overlooked the whole park Mm -hmm. and I would have to sit so each episode that I was worked on I had to sit with a dater in the field like in the seats Ah. and I had to remember I had to be told what a second inning was so many times because I had to bring them up at like some point during the second inning. And I was, I would always be like, is this it? Is this the point? I have no idea. And I'd have to like, if they wanted a drink, I'd have to go get a drink or I'd have to get them like a hot dog or whatever. And I remember one episode I did was this guy who's a comedian who was pretty funny, but like, I'm pretty sure he had a girlfriend and I'm pretty sure he was also hitting on me. And then he was going to go up and date somebody. Uh Um, but it was very, it was looking back. It was very fun. Um, I feel like like a a terrifically successful premise for a a dating show and I can't wait to watch it on Vimeo.com. You, you really should. I mean, it is very like, it's very Ness. It's very Boston It's very Nesson, but, oh, and then he also lives they show him living. I don't know, like, if you watch it, if you think that he lives near the park, if they you're supposed to think that, but he lives on top of this bakery, Bova's Bakery, which is such a good bakery in Boston. It's oh, in the, really? Yeah, it's in this Italian neighborhood. It's oh, my really God. Good. Yeah, the space, space doesn't... Um space doesn't exist as we know it in fever pitch no it doesn't like the assistant runs into the thing and says like we're bringing champagne it yeah yeah doesn't make any sense yeah she suddenly she's she gets a phone call that she gets the promotion and then she's suddenly in her office and Mm -hmm. someone walks into frame with champagne does she then tell him? I feel like I missed this part. She does she then come to his school and say that she might be pregnant? Yeah, she comes to his school and says she might be pregnant. <laughs> she sure goddamn does. She interrupts his whole day. 
And then she calls. So I feel like I got really fuzzy on this scene. I don't know why. And then she calls him and she says she's not pregnant. Am I getting this right? Yeah. From from Paris. That's that's her fucking thing. Like that's right. She calls from it's Paris. Real, it's a real mind fuck. Like <laughs> oh god. She pulls the whole she doesn't even take a test. She's just like, you know, you don't, you don't freak a person out. Take a test first, you know? Yeah, I kind of feel like, why are you like check? Just check first. Because then he just straight up, he's like, oh my gosh your period's late. I'm going to have a baby. Here's some outfits. The baby. You know, that was the writing of that guy. That's, that's yeah. where he stepped in to write that scene. Babalu? Babalu. Yeah. That was Babalu doing for sure. He was like, she's got to think she's pregnant. She's got to make <laughs> think she's pregnant. This is the part in a relationship where the girl thinks she's pregnant right <laughs> but she doesn't know because she hasn't gotten her period yet and that's how we that's how they that's tell because they they know they can tell they, yeah. they can tell that's why they say they can tell right <laughs> that's why when they when women go to the doctor's office and they say any chance you could be pregnant you know you can just know yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah so yeah so she there's a huge pregnancy scare <laughs> huge pregnancy scare you blink and you miss it pregnancy scare and then she's like i want you to come on my friend's birthday and then he suddenly this is where time doesn't make sense he's suddenly in a park with a kid who i don't know i don't know if this kid is in his school or not we never see him again he's a ghost so the yeah, kid is actually so cool. his father, right? Yeah. And I like to imagine that this kid is the spirit of his father who talks to him as a child. And it lives in the dugout uh, where they used to um, grow and play until um, the mom got a job. I don't know. The mom yeah. seemed cool though i'm not really sure what happened with her i got the impression that his mom was cool as well i got the impression that jimmy fallon's mom was cool and i'm gonna say yeah. she moved to europe i'm gonna say she was like you know i divorced jimmy fallon's dad i want to go to europe i just want a life for myself well yeah so then his app the apparition of his father comes and tells him he says i know you love the socks but have the socks ever loved you or something like that yeah, and it's like, have yeah, have the socks ever loved you back? And it's interesting the levels here because, and we deal with this in the sequel that like the dad doesn't apologize. He just sort of almost says like, "Hey, the love I never gave you will not. You'll not be able to get that from a baseball team." Yeah, like I and, know your uncle gave you these tickets. Yeah but it's time to move on. Yeah. I was not expecting it. When I watched this the other night, I got really emotional and yeah. I was not expecting that. Like, cause I've seen it before and I will rewatch it when I get homesick for Boston. I sometimes will rewatch re mm -hmm. it, but 
I think I like was watching. I was like, oh, God, I think I got like a little PTSD from the sports stuff because I dated um, a few guys who were really into football. Uh, well, specifically the Patriots. I dated two guys in oh, New England. I know I the Patriots are a bad team to root for. So it just was like, honestly, when they would, it was the scene where he goes to the party with her and then he's like, I've had, I had the best night of my life. And then he finds out the, they Red Sox beat the Yankees that night. And he turns into mm-hmm. like this, like aggro guy. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh my God. Like I had flashbacks to. Oh God. And she's like, she at some point she says, you're one, you're two different bends. You're two different people. Yeah. So, yeah. And I was like, I, <clears throat> Yeah, I was very, I reminisced about that. I was like, oh my God, I, I forgot about that part of my life where I dated guys who loved football. Cause it's kind of hard to not when you live mm-hmm. in New England. Yeah. I feel like, or like the East coast, it does feel like a little bit more, it's harder to find a guy who's like not into sports and I'm not into, I'm really not into sports. And I remembered like dating this one guy and he everything was so great and then like football season started and it was just like he just always had to watch the games and like mm-hmm. he became very ag- like not aggressive towards me but just like this aggressive energy yeah watching it and I think it like changes your brain a little bit and yeah it wasn't I didn't love it and <laughs> would well, not want to do that, that again I think that like it's an opera for aggro yeah. for aggro men in a way this is where it's also like a place where one of the only places where it's acceptable for a man to have feelings and that's I think that true. that's really I, interesting that really being able to be engrossed and concentrate on it is it's a soap opera it's like a it's a masculine soap opera and it the the attention it requires it's not really about the game it's about all of the things that the game represents to them and in addition to it being kind of like chess and strategy and stuff I'm saying this having very little concept of what football actually is but I'm pretty sure theoretically I get it like and I think I think that there is aggression about um I think there's a latent aggression in understanding this is one of the only places that a masculine person is quote unquote allowed to have emotions and then being in that situation and then still being denied the expression of your emotions would probably it would make sense that that response would be dysfunctional because the creation of the problem is dysfunctional and buying into it is dysfunctional so that is so fascinating (laughs) I think that's really interesting and that makes a lot of sense because I do feel like it, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't excuse it, but it it is like I think I I believe that that's there. See, this is why your classes were therapeutic. <laughs> um no, that makes so much sense because like one guy <clears throat> I dated who was in the Patriots, it wasn't, it was more just like, yeah, he's into this. Like he didn't get that emo- like, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't like 
a super emotional thing for him. He was very into them, but, and would always wear their jerseys and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, God, what a different life. What a different life I had. Um, but the other guy, I feel like he did have a lot of emotional stuff that he needed to sort out. And I don't think he did feel like he could express his emotions in, yeah. in a way that he didn't know how to express his emotions in a healthy way for sure. Yeah. And then it's like the question, if somebody realizes that is like, okay, so does that mean I'm going to express them differently? And it's like, well, no, I'm going to keep doing it like that. Like there's just levels to it for sure. Yeah. It is sad though. When you, when that, when someone switches, it's like a hard thing to grasp when someone switches from one way to a complete opposite way. And you're like, wait, I just felt safe with you. Ah, yeah. That's so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It just, it's, it's, it's so problematic in a, in a million ways, but I'm, yeah, I get very nervous about team sports and it's interesting. Like my partner is very competitive or admittedly competitive. I don't know. Maybe I am competitive and I just don't know it. I feel like I'm consistently trying to accept myself. So I feel like that's the race I'm in. Yeah. Um, with yourself or trying to yeah, be the best and, self. yeah and but they are so good at competing and winning and I'm just it's not my game I'm just like oh I don't know about this one and I wonder I, I wonder about me sometimes like am I lying to me because <laughs> I you know and maybe I am maybe I'm just lying to get by First of all, that sounds like a really great song title. Am I lying to me? Am I lying to me? I like it. Well, thank you so much for um, this deep dive into Fever Pitch. Thank I you was, for letting me talk about it. Oh my God. I was, I've always wondered, because like in your class, you started to talk about it, but I was like, I never, I wasn't sure. I was like, does she like, I couldn't tell if she liked it or didn't like her. I remember you saying it was a feminist. Like, I remember you saying something like that. Like, mm-hmm. you, and I was always like, so curious and yeah. yeah. So I love yeah. this. I love this convo and I love the world that we created. Me too. I just, I like, I like living any other place, but here, that's what I love to do. <laughs> <laughs> I know same same yeah sometimes I like to live here but anyway all right I'm gonna go eat something all right thank you so much this is fun yeah of course nothing's thank gonna you. stop me nothing's gonna stop me gonna work till I am dead nothing's gonna stop me oh wait I fell in love instead <laughs>